This is Edgar Cruz with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Alan Marks. Alan Marks grew up in El Paso, Texas. He attended college at Stanford University, and after two years living in Chile, returned to the U.S. to study law and economics. Along the way, he became credentialed as a secondary English teacher. From 1978 to 1992, he worked as a teacher at Rio Grande High School in Albuquerque's South Valley. In 1989, he was chosen as New Mexico's and U.S. West's National Teacher of the Year. He has helped hundreds of students of color from across New Mexico successfully apply to and graduate from the nation's top private colleges and universities. In 2000, along with a former student, he founded a charter high school, South Valley Academy, which serves primarily immigrant children. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thanks, Edgar. Alan, will you please tell us about your path into activism? I was a young boy growing up in El Paso, Texas, in a fairly suburban-type setting. And I had the good fortune to have a, a number of influential people introduce me to literature that made me think that maybe everything wasn't just as perfect as uh, the television and the media would lead me to believe. And from that moment on, I was never content with the surface of the stories that I read and heard. I, w I always looked, tried to look beneath them. When JFK was uh, killed, uh, I did a research paper in which I was looking at sources from France and other places that were questioning whether the U.S. had actually even found the legitimate killer or whether there was something else going on. So I became a skeptic, I would say, from that moment on. And a couple of other things might be relevant, and that is growing up in El Paso, I would spend time in Juarez, and I went to places in Juarez where, and I could even see them every day across the river from my house. I There were places where houses didn't have windows, and I could tell that people were living very, very differently from the middle class uh, life that my sister and I and my family experienced. Then... I went away to uh, college uh, in the midst of the Vietnam War, and there were people that were resisting induction, people that were burning their draft cards. Everybody was challenging and questioning whether or not the United States had any legitimate purpose uh, fighting in Vietnam. And so that was a very radicalizing experience for me. I saw that if we stand up, if our, my fellow students and I would stand up, that we could change U.S. policy. Another important thing for me was that uh, when I was about 15, I read an interview about this guy named Fidel Castro, who led this revolution in Cuba. And I was really excited by what I read, by what I read about the literacy programs that that were instituted after uh, Fidel and the other uh, revolutionaries came to power uh, about health care being made available, housing being made available, a lot of things that I believed in. That was very, very important to me. And when I got to the university, I studied at 
some more. And around that time, the uh, there was an election in in Chile, and Salvador Allende came to power by the vote. And here was a person who believed in a lot of the same things. He believed in making education available to everyone. Um, he believed in uh, redistributing the land, an agrarian reform program, um, and on and on and on. And so I decided this just sounds too good to be true. And I fortunately had been able to escape the draft by that time uh, because of a lottery that was put in place. And my number was uh, not called. And at that point, I decided it was time for me to get away from the university for a bit, experience more of the world. So I went down there and actually worked in the agrarian reform program for a year with some poor campesinos who, uh, they were actually uh, native. Uh, They were Araucanos. And they had worked on a large plantation Uh, a hacienda that was owned by some rich Argentinians who were never there. And they had always worked with making almost nothing. It always worked for this this family. And now suddenly, with the change of the Allende government, they were being allowed to work this huge farm for themselves. And so I worked with them because I wanted to experience what that sort of life was like. Subsequently, I came back and finished my degree and started going to law school, but I found that I was not very happy with what I learned. And I did start asking more and more questions about what I had experienced in Chile. And so that's why I went to study economics um, at this very exciting place at the University of Massachusetts. As I was kind of finishing that period, I started thinking, What I really need to do is I need to become part of a community that believes in me, that trusts me. Because when I had been in Chile, I was was an estranjero, I was a a foreigner, and people treated me incredibly well, but I realized they had no real reason to trust me. And I thought, you know, I need to build trust if I'm going to go live somewhere other than where I grew up. And the way that I thought might make the most sense would be to teach high school where I could help students learn their rights and I could become part of their community. Thank you so much. Can you tell us more about your time as a a teacher and some of the lessons you learned? Well, my students taught me so much while I was at Rio Grande High School. I would give an assignment and my students would bring me something very different from what I expected. And I realized that the problem was probably that I hadn't been clear enough about the assignment or that I hadn't thought about communication. I would Sometimes I would sit there for hours at the end of the day just thinking about what I had learned or actually how unsuccessfully I had managed to teach that day and what I needed to do to, to do better. I wanted to teach them how to read and think, and I wanted to teach them how to, how to think critically and problem-solve. But kind of looking over my shoulder, I noticed that the best students were not taking advantage of college opportunities. So kind of on the side, after school, during lunch, I started helping them a little bit with the college testing, 
and then little by little help them with uh, other pieces of the college application. And so about the second or third year I was there, there was a, a couple of students that were very successful and had gotten into terrific colleges with great financial aid packages, and they didn't go. So I go talk to another teacher who was a real ally there. And she said, Alan, she says, I don't think they're ever going to go unless we take them there. So I thought about that. And the next day, I went and talked to her 10th grade class. And I told the students, I said, okay, I want you guys to go get jobs this summer. Because next spring, over spring break, we're going to go look at some colleges. And that was the first year that I did a trip to look at colleges. That year we went to California, and we looked at a lot of colleges out there. And a year or two later, I took another group, and we went to look at colleges on the East Coast. Out of that first year's class, those were 10th graders when I spoke to them, 11th graders when we went on the trip. Two of the students ended up going to Stanford, two went to Princeton, two went to Duke, one went to Pomona College in L.A. And that I think that was kind of the beginning of uh, me seeing that Susan was right and saying that if we can just get them there and make it more real, that could be an opportunity. I think the point was that it's hard to imagine yourself being in a world that you haven't seen, haven't experienced. It's just very difficult. You're an 18-year-old your parents have probably haven't traveled that much. It's a big risk. But the more interesting fact was that at Rio Grande High School, we typically would see entering ninth grade classes of 1,100 or 1,000 students, and we would see a graduation class, or people who would graduate would be more in the vicinity of 300. And of those 300 that were graduating, very few were going to college and finishing college. So that, to me, represented a huge hurdle for the South Valley if we were not educating a much, much more significant percentage of our youth. How were we going to change things? How, who was going to stand up and help make changes yeah, the fact that kids were going away to these colleges, I thought about it two ways. One is that because these schools had such huge endowments that the students could go free of charge, it was actually cheaper for them to go to one of these colleges than to go to UNM. But the other thing was that they would have a first-rate education, and hopefully they would come back home and participate in their community and become leaders in their community. So the whole idea was to build capacity, which actually gets to the chartering experience about why we decided to, to start a small school in the South Valley. And so can you tell us more about the, the climate around the founding of the South Valley Academy and with receiving charter for it, but also what brought you to starting a charter school? So I think I, one one thing to say right at the outset is that with so so many students uh, dropping out, I knew that we had to do a better job, that we were not really serving our community well if we were doing that. So some of the inspiration to do a charter school 
was to provide the support necessary where every teacher knew every student. That was, uh, that was one idea behind it. When you use the word climate, uh, I feel like I should say two things. One is that we applied for the charter and did get it, but one of the requirements was to have a place. And we looked all over the South Valley. We went to Ernie Pyle Middle School, and we spoke to the principal, and they had a vacant lot that we could put three portable buildings on, which was enough for us to start our ninth grade class. So the issue was, could we get permission from APS to put our buildings there? We talked to some school board members, a couple, and they said they put us on the agenda for a given night. And we brought about 200 uh, supporters with us And so three school board members said that they supported us. Three said that they opposed us. And then it was up to the president of the school board, who did not like us, to cast the deciding vote. But he looked over the audience, and he saw the kind of support that we had, and so he agreed. Another interesting story about climate that people wouldn't believe today was that Kata and I started trying to find the teachers and interview teachers. Teachers did not believe that charters were here to stay, and they were afraid to leave their safe position at an APS school. So it was quite difficult to find teachers. What advice do you have for young people? What do you think we need to be doing right now? It seems as though... Almost anywhere you are in your life, there's actions you can take, things you can do, both to inform yourself and your community and others about things that matter, about injustice that you notice, about things that don't seem fair. If you think about it, young people, probably more than anyone else, they really care about fairness. So I think young people are terrific barometers of fairness, and when they see Uh, situations that are not fair, if they feel empowered to go and challenge those uh, assumptions, I think there's opportunities. I I will give you um, one example. At South Valley Academy, we started a service learning program, and all of the students participate on Thursday afternoons uh, with an organization in their community. Over a period of time, they become aware both of what different organizations, nonprofits in the community are doing. And they also get ideas about who they could work with or what cause they could join or small things, small things that they can do for uh, an elderly population or a disabled population. There's all kinds of acts of uh, compassion and trying to achieve social justice that kids can be involved in. And That remains the case for all of our lives. Well, Alan, thank you so much for sharing this time with us and for being such a strong force in our community. I'm so grateful to you personally, but for all of Generation Justice, we're so lucky to have you in our community and with us in the studio. Thank you so much. With Generation Justice, this is Edgar Cruz.